At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs is back. I am back from both of our vacations with some fresh set of questions from Steelers Nation. Before we dive into them, though, Labs, how excited are you to move back into a dorm room in just under a week? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, um, you know, the dormitory living was the only thing about, you know, training camp that wasn't high on my list. (laughs) You know, it's... you know, because sharing bathrooms, sharing a bathroom with, I don't know, eight to 10 guys, 10 to 12 guys, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little advanced in my life for that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> after, after missing camp for two years, you know, I, I am, I have to admit, I am looking forward to getting back at it. Do you have a roommate or have you reached the stage where you get your own? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. There, there are. There are no roommates. I mean, if they would put me in there with Mike Pursuit. Yeah, I was just going to say, one of, us, don't room <laughs> one of us would be on death row for murder in the first degree. All right. Our first question today comes from Floyd Cummings from Shreveport, Louisiana. And we got to give Floyd and Steelers Nation a lot of credit because this has been like six straight weeks now that we've opened up with a question relating to the quarterback. So hats As off to Steelers Nation. Never any, any doubt. Da- did you never have any, any doubt. Never. No chance. No. I knew they were going to come strong with this. Floyd <laughs> asks, if Kenny Pickett does not open the season as the starting quarterback but starts later, wouldn't that mean we would be losing? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty safe assumption, Floyd, because uh, in the NFL, you know, when um, you know it's a business and people are making money to win games, and uh, starting quarterbacks are not replaced if the team is winning. So, yes, that's a safe assumption. Not to be outdone by Floyd, Mike Craig from Albany, New York, comes with another quarterback question asking, with possibly three quarterbacks vying for the starting job, regardless of which one starts to open the season, do you think we will see quarterback changes through the season as soon as the quote-unquote starter goes through a bad stretch? This was not an issue when you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback because you let him play through his issues. Let me ask you this, Tom. You think this is a uh, fantasy football question? I think it is a fantasy football. <laughs> it has fantasy football undertones for sure. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, you know, as as I mentioned uh, in the answer to Floyd's question, uh, Mike, 
uh, coaches don't make quarterback changes if the team is winning. And, you know, you don't – the better coaches uh, don't change the quarterback unless uh, the coach believes that the quarterback is uh, bears the primary responsibility for the team losing. So, I mean, this is not a situation where, you know, it's like going to the amusement park and everybody gets a turn to ride the merry-go-round. <laughs> I mean, this isn't that. That's not the way it works. I mean, if if a team is winning, uh, the quarter and uh, the quarterback is going to change. And if the quarterback isn't the reason the team is losing, you don't just change the quarterback to see what another guy can do. Because uh, again, as I said, this is this is a business, um, and you don't, you know, you lose vet- you lose your veterans in the locker room. If you're yo-yoing quarterbacks to see what other guys right. can do uh, during the regular season, so you know I don't know what it would what it might take for a change at quarterback. I think if you asked Mike Tomlin about it, he would say something like he'd know it when he sees it in terms of time for making a change. Um, but um, no, I don't I don't think that you put a guy on a short leash to use a common phrase. Uh, you've got to give him an opportunity to get acclimated to the game, uh, to his opponents, to his teammates. Um, so that's how I see that unfolding. So you don't think this will play out like a Jim Miller, Mike Tomczak uh, experience all over again? First half of the game, first game, you're out of there. Well, I mean, that that was because, you know, Bill Cowher made the determination, you know, that Jim Miller was holding the team back in that opener. Right. And then he, he made the change, and then that was it. I mean, he didn't go yo-yo and back true. and There's forth. That's true. There's no yo-yo, right? Right. Right. So that's that's what I kind of mean in terms of once and if a change is made, once it is made, um, I would imagine that that would be for a while, uh, you know, unless whoever's number two uh, comes in and, um, mm-hmm. as they say, um, messes the bed. <laughs> so. Um, and you never want to do that when you're in a dormitory, let me tell you that. <laughs> no, a lot of close proximity there. You'd be very embarrassed quickly. Right. <laughs> Jason Godfrey, Godfrey from Inori, South Carolina asks, I was looking at Franco Harris's stats. I see he was selected to the Pro Bowl nine years in a row. Does any other Steelers player come close to that? Um, well, Jack Lambert tied it, but no one has ever um, been voted to more than um, – uh, Franco Harris's uh, Pro Bowl streaks, nine nine years, nine Pro Bowls over nine seasons. Lambert uh, did nine in nine seasons as well. Uh, his began with the seventy five season, ended with the eighty three season. Um, both Ernie Stautner and Mike Webster matched Harris's nine Pro Bowl appearances, but each each of them accomplished that over a span of ten seasons. Um, and then Joe Green was voted to 10 Pro Bowls, but his spanned um, 11 seasons, 1969 to 1980. So, um, you know, Green didn't uh, – he wasn't – no, never mind. Let, let, I'm just going to leave it at that. I was going to say something else, but um, I don't think it's right, so I'm just going to stop. That's the, that's the smart move that. to do. If you don't think you're right, right, you don't say anything at all, then you're never wrong. Right. That's, why, that's why you're the best at this laps. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Arvizu from CDMX, Mexico. Who would you consider the best offensive coordinators in the history of the team? 
Well, as I've, we've talked about on this podcast many times, any of these history of the Steelers uh, questions, you know, usually the Steelers will be in their 90th NFL season in 2022. So, you know, it, it, it covers a lot of yes. time, nine decades. Okay. But in the case of offensive coordinators, the Steelers didn't have an offensive coordinator until 1983. Uh, that was the first one was Tom Moore. Chuck Knoll hired him in 1983. So I can actually rattle off the list um, of all of the Steelers offensive coordinators <laughs> in team history. So it was Tom Moore, then Joe Walton, Ron Earhart, Chan Gailey, Ray Sherman, Kevin Gilbride, Mike Malarkey, Ken Wisenhunt, Bruce Arians, Todd Haley, Randy Figner, and Matt Canada. You know, because before 1983, um, for the Steelers anyway, uh, Chuck Knoll was primarily – uh, the, the coach who dealt with the quarterback and the offensive game plan. And then also uh, until uh, Chuck Knoll, um, or excuse me, until uh, Terry Bradshaw retired, um, the Steelers quarterbacks called their own plays. Mm. So there was no signaling in, you know, like there, like there was, say, in Dallas. You know, they, they uh, used, I think they used guards. They may have used messenger guards. San Francisco with uh, Joe Montana back in the 80s used um, some sort of system to get the plays in Mm -hmm. uh, from Bill Walsh to Montana. But anyway, so that's how the Steelers operated. So you want to know who I think are the best? I'll give you my top three in chronological order uh, of their their, um, holding the job. Tom Moore, Ron Earhart, Ken Wisenhunt. So impressive that you're able to name those offensive coordinators off the top of your head like that. It, it never ceases to amaze me the amount of information you're able to retain up there in Steelers history. Well, sometimes you remember things because you're scarred by them. <laughs> like, you know, and you can I know a couple names on this figure. list that, 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 that mean that. Okay. Some more Good. recent well, than others. Just, Yes, some more some more recent than others. Yes, as Bill Cower would say, that's an accurate statement. Casey McDonald from Montgomery, Alabama, asks, "How do you like the Larry Ogunjobi signing? I know he's coming off an injury and failed a physical with the Bears, but it seems like a savvy, low risk, high reward move." Well, I think that um, Casey pretty much summed it up pretty well um, when he wrote. Um, that he's coming off an injury uh, and failed a physical. Um, so if he's healthy enough to play right. uh, and whatever the failed physical reason was with the Bears is no longer an issue, you know, I would say that, um, you know, it's a decent signing. It is a savvy, low-risk, high-reward move. I mean, this is a guy who is a proven NFL starting defensive lineman. And, um, you know, you add a guy – for not a, not a lot of money because what happened to Ogunjobi was when he failed that physical, it nullified the big contract he signed with the Bears. So, you know, and he was out there on the street for a good while, and so, you know, you're able to get this guy at a, a lower number. So, yeah, I mean, um, again, if, 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 uh, but right. if all the ifs check out, it, it's it's a good move. Steve Gale from Beit Shemesh, Israel, follows up on Ogunjobi, asking, now that the Steelers signed defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi, 
what do you think is the next area to be addressed in the offseason? That is, if it were up to you. Could it be that there will be no more moves before training camp? Well, you know, I think what one of the things that Steelers fans should understand is that this past offseason, the one that's going to end here very soon with the opening of training camp, you know, it's not the normal kind of offseason around here. I mean, there's the Steelers don't make uh, the number of um, free agent signings typically that they have this past offseason. Yeah, no question. Some of it, some of it has to do with you know not having the kind of cap space that they happen to have this. Uh, off season, and another big part of it is they just don't believe in uh, using free agency as a primary method of building their roster. It, it's it's a you know business philosophy that you know was put in place by Dan Rooney, and it, I don't think it's going to change any time. Now, adding free agents is different. I want everybody to understand what I mean. Adding free agents is different than using free agency as a primary method of roster building, because you know, let's let's look at running backs, for example. You know, for every D'Angelo Williams, who was a veteran running back signed, who turned out to be a great addition and complement to uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, there's a LeGarrette Blunt yep. who uh, signed and then became quickly disgruntled with his playing time when um, Bell turned out to be a whole lot better, I think, than Blunt believed he was going to be at that stage of his career. So... You know, I'm kind of guessing that, you know, even though the Steelers recently, they signed a USFL defensive lineman as an example. Now, I don't consider that being a uh, the kind of signing that Steve is referring right, to. Right. You know, that's a, a roster filler uh, because uh, Archibald uh, retired suddenly. So, you know, and you need you need numbers at different positions to have training camp and, you know, you don't want to. As for his example, since we're talking about defensive line, and you don't want to have be one short at defensive line, and maybe that means Cam Hayward is taking right. eight to ten more reps every training camp practice, and then come September, you know his body's a little bit more beaten up than you want it to be going into a seventeen game regular season. So, my guess would be the Steelers are going to go to camp with primarily what they have, see if the, any really big holes reveal themselves or. God forbid some kind of long-term significant injuries crop up, um, but outside of that, then in those instances, they may see what's available, um, but otherwise, I think they're pretty much going to stand pat. And there could always be the circumstances like a Joe Hayden a few years back. You know, you just never expect some guy to be well, yeah, open right. a camp casualty that you didn't expect to be there, but you'd really like him on your team. Do you think that there might be a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth since just last year Melvin Ingram kind of did the LeGarrette Blunt thing to them where he signed, was unpleased with his role, and caused the stink to get out of there? Do you think maybe they're like, ah, we just did that with Melvin. Let's avoid the veteran free agent route this time around. Well, I don't think you, you uh, you know, to use a bone Mike Tomlinism, I don't think you necessarily paint with a broad brush. Okay. But that is definitely a, um, a possible, um, you know, downside to going the uh, veteran free agent route. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, they can lie uh, to you and so, say, yeah, I'll take that role when they sign, thinking, oh, I'll easily right. outplay that role. And when they don't, right. it causes a stink. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're not bad at this either. I learned from the best. <laughs> John Humphreys from Napa, California. Rumors are circulating that the Tennessee Titans may be looking to trade Bud Dupree. If accurate, would Steelers be interested? 
Dupree and T.J. Watt once made up a fierce pass-rushing duo. The Titans would have to cough up some of his salary, but is this something we should look into? If so, what's the most we should give up to get him back? Okay. Um, I, I hate these kind of questions. I'm just going to highlight some of the phrases or words that were in John's question. Rumors are circulating. May be looking. <laughs> if accurate. Once made up. Would have to. Too many qualifiers and what-ifs to treat this seriously. You know, again, since I've, I, earlier in this podcast I quoted uh, Bill Cower, I'm going to quote him again. And he would always say in press conferences when these kinds of questions were posed to him, he would always say, I don't play the what-if game. So, <laughs> you know, uh, making a trade for Bud Dupree is going to mean more than a one-year commitment. Okay, and so even if the Titans were willing to cough up some of the $16 million salary in 2022, you know, when you make the trade, you assume his entire contract. So let's pretend if the Titans are willing to cough up, you know, some money in 2022, <laughs> well, that doesn't count the $17 million he's due in 2023, the $16 million he's due in 2024, the $15.5 million he's due in 2025. Okay, now. Not only do you have to come up with that kind of cash just to pay him, then one of the Titans want in return for the trade. I mean, they're not going to give they're not going to give you Bud Dupree for a conditional sixth round pick. Okay, and let, let, let me just throw this uh, at you at the end. Okay, the Titans are going to go to training camp, seeing their roster as one capable of contending for the Super Bowl. So because of that, why would they trade Bud Dupree if he's healthy and on track to return to the form that got him the five-year, $82.5 million contract that they originally signed him to, originally signed him to? So um, the Titans wouldn't do that. And if they would, what you'd have to give up, in addition to the money you'd have to pay the guy, uh, would gut your own roster. So forget about it. It's not happening. So turn the page and hope that Alex Highsmith has a great year. Or just forget about the Titans trading Bud Dupree. Let's <laughs> just go or. with that. John Dossie from Dell City, Oklahoma. Now that Minka Fitzpatrick has signed his extension, the two most mentioned players up next for an extension are Chris Boswell and Deontay Johnson. Which of those two do you think is most likely to receive an extension first? Well, you know, another thing fans should understand is it's not like extensions are handed out like um, – <laughs> you know, candy after uh, dinner. Like you take a ticket you know, at a deli, it, it, you're up next. Your extension's yeah, right. up next. Uh, yeah, well, because it's something that has to be negotiated, agreed upon by both sides. Right. So of the two guys that John mentions, Deontay Johnson and Chris Boswell, which one of those two do you think is more likely to come to an agreement on a contract extension? I don't think it's Deontay Johnson uh, yes. simply because of the uh, explosion of um, salaries for wide receivers. So, you know, if you're giving, making me pick one, which of the two, I would say Boswell because uh, I think that it would be more likely that he and the team could come to some agreement uh, on a compensation within a contract extension. Dennis Slieger from York, Pennsylvania. When a player signs a contract, when does he get the signing bonus? If money is guaranteed, does he still get that in a weekly check during the season? How do their agents get paid? A lump sum after signing? 
if a player is suspended, does this affect the agent's money? Okay. There is no absolute answer to this. You know, usually all of this stuff that you're asking, Dennis, is included in the language of the contract. Okay, a signing bonus typically is paid upon the signing of the contract. However, there could be language in the contract that might uh, defer some of the signing bonus or, you know, uh, pay it off in installments or whatever. And again, this is something that the team and the player and the agent all would have agreed to. Okay, so, you know, a lot of this stuff is um, within the language of the contract and varies from player to player to player. You know, same thing with guaranteed money. You could be guaranteed, but um, that doesn't mean you have to get it, you know, by a certain date. Again, unless it's in the contract. So, you know, and then there's salary cap ramifications to the language and all this stuff. So it's really not easy uh, to answer this in an absolute way. Uh, how much does the agent get? Usually it's 3%, but also that could be negotiated within the contract. When does the agent get paid? That can be negotiated in, within the contract. So uh, it's there's not a cookie-cutter way to say X, this is the way it always happens because, you know, the contract is a legal document and there, there's not necessarily an absolute from one contract to another. Or you could just be like Lamar Jackson and avoid all those agents' questions altogether because you represent yourself in negotiations, so no agent gets paid. And never, <laughs> and never get anything done. Apparently. That's good news for the Steelers. Gary Campbell from Roswell, Georgia, asks our final question today. Trey Turner was a starter last year. Why is he no longer with the team? Um, well, okay, let just to expand a little bit on your description of Trey Turner. Uh, he was a starter last year on a below-the-line NFL offensive line. So um, during the offseason, the Steelers side signed James Daniels. Okay, He's going to be 25 years old real soon. He's a former number two pick. He has 48 career NFL regular season starts on his resume. Uh, unlike other professional sports, your typical NFL contract is not guaranteed. So the Steelers think that Daniels is better than Turner, so they signed Daniel, signed Daniels and released Turner. I mean, that's that's the way the NFL works. Um, one day you're a starter, next day you're on the street. Um, as Jerry Glanville said, NFL stands for not for long. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. I've got some bad news and some good news for the listeners. Should I give them the good news or the bad news first? Always start with the bad news. <laughs> well, the bad news is we won't be doing any Asked and Answered episodes while training camp is underway, but you will still get your fill of labs and op for men because we will be coming at you every day that there's a practice from 9 to 10 a.m., recapping the day's practice before, looking ahead to that day's practice from St. Vincent's. Labs will be on location. So tune into the training camp report every day the Steelers practice at training camp. That's from 9 to 10 a.m. on Steelers Nation Radio. Now let me do a radio show with you now. I'm moving up, huh? Uh, well, and let me just ask you this. Who's to say that listeners listening to me and you every day instead of only once a week is the good news or the bad news? <laughs> That's up to their interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> He's Bob Labriola. I am Tom Offerman. We will talk to you next week with our first training camp report. Move-in day is Tuesday. First practice is Wednesday. We will be on the air 9 a.m. Wednesday. So for Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Offerman, and this has been Asked and Answered.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.